In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today we celebrate the Feast of Venerable Bede, um, Doctor of the Church. Venerable Bede was born in 673 in northern England. At the age of seven, as we know from his bio biographers, at the age of seven, he was offered by his family, probably a noble family of England, was offered, as it was pretty common at that time, offered to the church as an oblate to a Benedictine monastery. Of course, we know that at that time, education, good education, was received pretty much exclusively from uh, religious communities. Uh, if you would join a religious community at a very early age, you can be assured of receiving as well a very good education in literature and uh, philosophy, theology, and um, all the other uh, arts that the church um, would offer. So he was offered as an oblate, oblatio, an offering, literally, an offering. It is beautiful to see and very difficult for us to understand with our modern mindset, but it is beautiful to see how uh, back in these times, early times of the church, how families, how people would understand uh, this offering of oneself to God. And uh, we are blessed in the Institute of Christ the King, we are blessed also with uh, these oblates, and you can find these oblates also in many uh, Benedictine monasteries, for instance in, in France, or here in the US, Clear Creek, or not only Benedictines, but also other religious communities that have these consecrated souls to, um, as parts of the different vocations uh, in the monastery or whatever religious community you can think of. So in the Institute of Christ the King, we are also blessed with vocations, uh, these oblates, offering, giving themselves, in a, embracing a more perfect way of life, a more perfect way of life as um, different from uh, married life, of course, not a priest either, but yet a more perfect uh, level of uh, spiritual life that they embrace and they give themselves to the church by giving also their talents. We have, we're blessed here at the Shrine of Christ, I think, to have our, our dear Abbe Raymond serving uh, the Mass today. He's not, unfortunately, behind the keyboard of the organ today, uh, but he helps serving the Mass. So, giving their talents uh, for the church in close connection with the service of the altar where the priest offers the sacrifice. So, oblates, at the age of seven, he was offered, uh, and at that time it was not, you know, like he would come back for vacation or, you know, different times of the year to see his family. No, it was pretty much, you know, a total gift of oneself to the church, I and mean, more specifically, to uh, this Benedictine monastery that at that time had about 200 monks. It was not that many for the time. It was a small, smaller uh, monastery, but still impressive for us, of course. In Jero, northern, uh, really the the northern uh, parts of England, really the edge of the world at that time. England was considered, you know, a missionary uh, country, of course. We had the feast celebration of Pope uh, Gregory the Seventh uh, a couple of days ago, and so who sent all these missionaries, Saint Augustine, uh, to this week feast of Saint Augustine. 
So all these feast days uh, that remind us of the missionary land of England at that time. So really the northern part, the edge of the world, where uh, the pagans would come uh, from. You know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago the last gospel at the Mass, where we sing the last gospel, or we pray, recites the last gospel facing north, because uh, at that time, in the early century of the church, this is where the pagans would come from. So we announce the gospel, the last gospel, the coming of the word, incarnate word to these pagans. So our day of renewable bead at the age of seven is totally immersed into this uh, incredible uh, Catholic culture among these Benedictine monks. He wrote about 40 books, and how many of you watching or listening to us this morning, how many of you actually know about Venerable Bede, has heard about even his name? Certainly not that many, and uh, don't be ashamed of that. This is unfortunately pretty common in the church history to have exceptional brains, brilliant genius, you know, brilliant uh, mind, and yet quite unknown from us. How God plays with the humility of a saint and the brilliant mind of a genius. So he wrote about 40 books. Among them, one of the most common, most famous book is his Ecclesiastical History of the English People. A very interesting uh, summary, really, of the history of the Church of England at that time, written in seven, uh, 731. He wrote a Latin version of the Bible, uh, which was quite exceptional at, at that time. Um, this Latin version of the Bible was still in use in England uh, until the Second Vatican Council, as a reference, really. He wrote many commentaries, of course, on the Bible as well, the different books of the Bible. He wrote a lot of agiographies, so Lives of the Saints. He was uh, a great poet. He would write poetries, uh, not only, you know, himself, but also with his students at that time. You can imagine all these, these students working with him, learning from him, and bringing him some knowledge as well when, you know, translating the Bible or when doing these commentaries on the Bible, or trying to gather all this information to write these beautiful biographies of the life of the saints. He, interesting enough, he also established the modern calendar, his distinction between before Christ and after Christ, uh, that we, of course, still use today. We have a lot of quotes, a lot of quotes from Bede in the writings of the great St. Thomas Aquinas as well. If you want to know about St. Bede, well, read more St. Thomas, of course, and you will, you will see how these two genius, really, with the lights, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, were able to gather all these beautiful, like so many beautiful flowers, gather all these beautiful thoughts, you know, on the Gospels, on the, the Bible, and how they would gather that and, and make this very precious honey, as St. Francis de Sales tells us. So St. Thomas Aquinas in his Catena Aurea, the, the golden chain, where he puts, connects together all these uh, holy writers of the early century of the church. And Bede is constantly uh, mentioned in his writings. And if Bede was able to write in such a beautiful way about uh, the most uh, incredible mysteries of our faith, the most intimate mysteries of our faith, the Incarnation, 
the redemption and so on. It's because, first of all, he had a very deep prayer life. You can imagine this little seven years old boy sitting in choir pretty much with the other monks and singing the praises of the Lord every day, several hours a day. And there is this little story that we, we tell about the life of Bede during the plague. There was a plague in England, especially in this northern area at that time, when he was uh, an early uh, man, an early young boy. Uh, there is this story that all the monks were pretty much either dead or, you know, sick in bed. And um, we say that there was one time, especially, uh, not just a, a day, but, you know, longer period of time, when St. Bede was the only one in the church, this little boy, the only one in the church with an older, old monk, you can imagine this old English monk, you know, with the big beard and uh, the traits of a face that has seen, you know, a lot in his life, this old monk sitting in choir and praying, and the weather was not, uh, I'm sorry but for England, but the weather in Northern England is certainly not the best, uh, you know, for a, a good prayer life. It's, it's really hard, sometimes very cold, very humid. Um, and so you can imagine this old monk sitting in choir, and on the other side of the choir, this young uh, bead, a young boy singing as well, probably by heart, because at that time there was, there was no book. You know, there is one, maybe one or two big books for the, the choir, uh, but the rest was just memorized by heart by the monks. So this little boy already uh, ruminating uh, these verses of the Psalms daily. And of course, that was uh, really the source of then uh, what he could write about the faith. So incredible, uh, strong prayer life. At the age of 19, he was... Uh, ordained a deacon, and he remained deacon for several years until he got ordained a priest at the age of 30. At, the, at that time, he was not, uh, you know, as it is today, you're ordained de deacon and you become a priest, you know, the same year or a couple months later. Uh, sometimes you would remain, especially in monasteries like that, you would remain deacons, you know, deacon for several years to really form yourself even more. Um, he never became a bishop, you know, we could have thought that he would become a bishop of this area, maybe York, the big uh, metropolitan city nearby, uh, but no, he never became a bishop, because he always wanted to remain a teacher, a humble teacher. That's the, the beauty of this vocation uh, as a teacher in the church, theologians, you know, that teach the faith and remain humble, holy priests, holy monks, as we were blessed to have uh, many and to have still today many at the seminary. We have actually monks in Florence, Italy, uh, our international seminary. We have monks, Benedictine monks, coming from French Benedictine abbeys. Uh, and uh, one of them was a, a great monk who actually passed away at the seminary after um, a, a stroke um, um, that happened actually at the seminary when he was teaching an old monk. Really, you could see in his face the joy of you know so many years uh, spent at the monastery in this quiet and holy place in Fokombo, which then gave birth to a Clear Creek a couple of years later. So these holy monks that uh, we are blessed, really blessed to have at the seminary that teach us, and you can see that there cannot be any true, solid, orthodox. Uh, 
uh, teaching if, if it is not based, first of all, on a deep, profound prayer life. And these monks clearly show us these, this example. Uh, so he never became a bishop. He always wanted to remain a teacher for all these uh, generations of monks. And it is incredible that centuries later, still today, the writings of this venerable bead are still kind of one of the sources of um, our Catholic faith. He died after a long suffering of 50 days. It's interesting how divine providence works as well. He died uh, almost uh, on the day of the Ascension. So these 50 days, uh, you know, in preparation between Easter and the Ascension, uh, 40-50, he, he died uh, in peace, but unfortunately after long suffering. And we attribute to, to him these last words. It is not certain if it is from him or not, but uh, certainly that uh, reflects perfectly well his uh, attitude, his mindset, and the, the state of his soul at, uh, at a, uh, before his death. Before setting forth on that inevitable journey, none is wiser than the man who consider, before his soul departs hence, what good or evil he has done, and what judgment his soul will receive after its passing. The death poem of Venerable Bede, always considering the end in everything. You can imagine this a little bit like St. Thomas Aquinas that wanted to burn down all his writings at the end of his life, seeing the judgment to come and not being able to face this judgment without, of course, a true uh, humble attitude. The humble soul that sees the perfection of God in, in such a way with their human mind, but that's enough to uh, give them this, this feeling of, of, uh, of humility and shame in some ways. Shame to appear before the judgment seat, not because of the you know, dreadful and uh, cruel God, of course. He's just, yes, but he loves every soul and wants their salvation. But the shame of these brilliant minds to see that despite all their studies, they have not been able to grasp really God and to embrace, to, to love Him in the way that they should have, He should be loved. Uh, think of, you know, uh, a young bride who is getting ready for the wedding mass, you know, dressed with this beautiful uh, white dress, but all of a sudden, for some reason, something happens and the, the, the dress is all ripped up, you know, and dirty with stains and stuff. She is torn between, you know, the mass starting soon, the love for the, the future husband, and the way she looks, you know. She cannot appear in such a way before uh, the future husband. Well, same with the soul, you know. It's not that the husband doesn't love her at all. No, he wants her to be present. But she sees herself as she is, truly, the soul before the judgment seat, and cannot but have this shame you know, and this desire to be purified, to go through all this purification, to go through these sufferings, through purgatory, before appearing, before being united with her bride, her uh, future husband. He made also a beautiful confession, our Venerable Bede. He made a beautiful confession and humble confession of his life, 
what his life had been when he wrote, I have devoted all my energies to the study of the scriptures, observing monastic discipline and singing the daily services in church. Study, teaching and writing have always been my delight. So let's ask today the grace to penetrate as he did, penetrate the mysteries of our faith always more through the Holy Scriptures, through the lives of the saints. I recommend that you go back often to the lives of the saints, read these lives. We can, uh, we can uh, relate a lot to the lives of the saints, you know, when we look at their humanity, when you look at the virtues they practice, when you look at the vices they had to fight against. They were not perfect right away, and they were even never perfect. Perfection is not of this world, but always tending towards this perfection. And I invite you, of course, to uh, ask, especially during this novena in preparation for the Feast of Pentecost, ask the Holy Spirit uh, to um, grow in you these gifts of the Holy Spirit received on the day of your baptism, and then uh, that could bloom and flourish even more on the day of your confirmation until until today we have to ask for an increase of these gifts gift of wisdom the most perfect gift gift of understanding knowledge piety all the gifts especially those that are connected uh, directly to the intelligence to have a better understanding of the realities uh, of our faith of the mysteries of our faith so as to love god always more and let us pray for England, as we have during this week, several feast days of saints of England. Let us pray for the conversion of, of England, for the return of its church uh, back to the true um, flock. Saints Bede, Venerable Bede, pray for us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.